Now, we just read the story of a time where Jesus was talking to his disciples and he told them that anytime somebody sinned against them, they needed to forgive them. Back on, on, at 17.3 says, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. Now, I love just that. There's this like, I can just hear the pause there. Can't you? It's like they have heard what he said and they're processing it. Seven times in one day? Really? And they just, uh, I can just picture them kind of just glancing at each other and in unison saying, Lord, increase our faith. Because what he was requiring of them was beyond what they felt like they could handle. And so then he goes on and he tells them how to have their faith increased. And it's amazing to me what he says. He says, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you'd say this mulberry tree be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. But which of you having a slave or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down and eat. But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, did he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done that which we ought to have done. Now, that goes totally against what a lot of people really even think has anything to do with faith. I know whenever I was uh, uh, coming along early adulthood, the power of positive thinking was a big, big thing. And I'm not saying that there's a whole lot wrong with it. It's just that the focus got to be self instead of Jesus. It got to be what God can do for me instead of what is God expecting of me? What has he created me to do? Who has he created me to be? And by losing that focus, we have now come to this place where even in the church, people are self-centered uh, in the church and many of them are disillusioned and not having anything to do with church anymore. And many of them will tell me, I tried that prayer stuff and it didn't work. They didn't even get started on the Christian faith. It's not about prayer stuff, you see. It's about a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And here Jesus is telling us something very important. And this whole passage, I, I just kind of gleaned uh, several different things out of this. And I'm just going to make some points here and then I'm going to go back and touch on them more deeply. 
First of all, you have faith. The uh, disciples didn't say, give us faith. They said, increase our faith. And uh, you have faith. Uh, you may not have a lot of faith. It says in Scripture, to everyone is given the measure of faith. Keeping that in mind, look at the parable of the sower and look at the soil. And you know, the seed is the word of God and it's being sowed in different types of soil. And uh, the thing is, if we're looking at it from this standpoint and you start seeing the description, the only time the look on the on the seed as faith and it's being sown and some of it is immediately plucked away. And there are some people that have had their faith just taken away from them by different things. And then there's that, that on the rocky ground where it springs up, but there's no place for it to have any root and it withers and it's gone. And then there's uh, 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 that that uh, uh, grows and falls at a good spot, but it's also a good spot for briars and brambles and weeds. And he, in the explanation, he says that the cares of the world choke it out. And then there's the good soil where the roots go deep and faith grows, do you see? I think that that's a good parallel to look at whenever he talks about this uh, faith the size of a mustard seed. It's little bitty when it's sown, but it's there and it will grow. So everybody is given the measure of faith and you have faith. The problem is not faith. The problem is unbelief. And uh, so many times our unbelief is so much greater than our faith. We have a little bit of faith and a lot of unbelief. And the unbelief overclouds, overshadows uh, our faith. But uh, like even Jesus in his hometown, it says he wondered at their unbelief. And he was going around the villages teaching, said he could do no miracle there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. To see back then with Jesus, healing was just a, a little almost insignificant thing as compared to the other. It was just a matter of course, but there are much greater miracles that he would have desired to have performed, but he couldn't because of their unbelief. Now then, I'm going to move on. Uh, you have faith. Well, see, I've left out a couple of things here. Let's see. What? Are, okay. Yeah, you have faith, and you need to know your need. It may be that you need help with your unbelief. That's what it it seems was going along here in this passage is that they they needed help. They thought they needed more faith. What they needed help with was their unbelief. You remember the uh, father who uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the he, he says to Jesus, is, if you can, you can heal my son. And Jesus says, uh, I can and I'm willing uh, if you believe. And remember, the father cried out, Lord, I believe believe. 
help thou my unbelief. You see, he knew to cry out to Jesus, but he was having trouble really believing that Jesus could do what he, what everybody said he could do. Help me with my unbelief. And that's what we have to work on. That's what we need to focus on is getting rid of our unbelief. So you need to, first of all, you do have faith. Next, you need to know your need. And next, ooh, and here's the hard one. You need to know your place. This is a toughie because you see, Jesus says, your place is as an humble servant of God. And yet, whenever you uh, uh, stop and think about it, for years, it seems like Hebrews uh, 11.1 was the definition of faith. And uh, in Hebrews 11.1, it says that faith is the evidence of things Oh, let's see here. I'm, I'm going to. I didn't look. I didn't mark it. Now I'm going to have a hard time with it. Let's see. Here. I'm going to find it. I want to get it right because it's so important. For many, many, even a long time ago, this was the definition of faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. And people took that, and they took that as a definition of faith. And really, if you take that as a definition of faith, it's going to bring a lot of heartache because it looks like you're having, you're having to gin up faith. You're having to generate uh, something that you probably don't have enough of. You're having to uh, somehow get this positive mental attitude, you see. Uh, that's, that's what's going, what, what people would say. And then you, you're from that, you wound up with all these people that were just saying, you know, you just decide what you want and you hope for it and you claim it and it'll be yours. And the thing is, there's much more to it than that. You see, what we're reading here in Hebrews 11.1 1 is not the definition of faith. What we're reading here is it's a byproduct. That's the right word. Hebrews 11.1 1 is the byproduct of faith. It's the thing that you will see in people's lives. It will be if you have faith and you're living out of faith, this is what they're going to see. But this is not faith. It's the result of faith. Instead, faith is something totally different. And Elizabeth really nailed it uh, today. It's trusting in God. Trusting in God enough to go all in for him, as I've said a lot recently. And so uh, you need to know your place uh, you're not, people will take this Hebrews 11, 1 and they'll flip it around and they want to be God's boss instead of being God's servant. They think they need to be telling God what to do and that's faith. And they just need to believe that God's going to do what they tell him to do. That is arrogant faith. That's wrong faith. 
that's they're trusting in something besides God. They're trusting in who they are. And you'll hear people talk about, you need to know your position. And they think that uh, it's something else. But what it is, your position is is as an humble servant. And whenever you have that position with God, then all of a sudden, everything opens up. Let me tell you about an humble servant of God. His name is Gabriel. Gabriel is the chief archangel. Whenever he went to announce to John the Baptist's father that John the Baptist was going to be born, John the Baptist's dad was questioning him about this and voicing his unbelief in what Gabriel was telling him. And Gabriel basically said, you know who I am? I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And his response to John the Baptist's father's questioning what he was saying was that John the Baptist's dad didn't get to speak until after the child was born. And uh, the thing is, though, one of the most impressive beings in all of creation is an humble servant of God. So do you see being uh, an humble servant of God doesn't mean that you're not somebody. Do you, do you get this? It doesn't. Let's see. How did it go? Let's, I know that I am but a worm. So step on me, God, and watch me squirm. I mean, that's, that's not the kind of humility that we're talking about. That's not what it's all about. You, when it, being an humble servant of God puts you in a powerful place, Because all of a sudden, as you obey God, as you hear his direction, as you know what he wants you to do and you do it, his power is behind you in bringing it about. And it's one of the most exciting places to be. And if things don't work out, then you can blame God. But they're going to work out. So uh, just want you, those are kind of some of the things. Know your place. The last thing is obey obedience. Obey. Serve in your place. Serve him. And this ties in with Pentecost because Jesus told his disciples shortly before he left, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and I will love you and my father will love you and we will come and make our abode in you. We will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Do you see how it all goes together? The power comes from that. Three stories that kind of tie all this together. Number one is a long time ago, they were trying to log in the Amazon and they were having a hard time. It was hard to get the logs out and somebody got the bright idea. It'd be a lot easier to bring lumber out of the Amazon but they needed a mill uh, in there in the uh, uh, interior in the rainforest to make the lumber to be brought out. So they brought a huge barge with a generator uh, in it to uh, uh, put on the, on, on the bank of the Amazon. They just floated it down the Amazon and put it as close to where they were going to be logging as they could. And then they went 
deep in and they built a lumber mill. They built a sawmill and they cut a road back to the, to the river. They laid a line and when it was all together and they were ready to crank up the mill, they flipped the switch and nothing happened. And so they radioed back and they said, send us some power. And they said, the power's on. And so finally, an electrician, oh, I was going to say, Charles, you'll appreciate this. Charles is gone. But uh, anyway, the thing is, finally, an electrician checked the junction box where the power uh, line tied into the mill. And somebody had forgotten to make the final connection. So he made that final connection. They flipped the switch and the mill was working. That final connection, folks, is faith, faith, trusting in God. You can have everything else. You can do everything else. But without faith, you're going to miss the power that God has to be at work in your life. Number two uh, story that ties in with all this is, and I've shared this one with you all before, the guy that was driving along saw this beautiful scenic overlook high, high up in the mountains. And he pulled over and got out and he looked, he was looking so far out and he's just enthralled and he fell off the side of the mountain down the cliff. As he was whizzing down the side of the mountain, he grabbed hold of a limb jutting out of the side of the cliff. He's hanging there about a thousand feet down. All he can hear is birds singing and the wind blowing. No sounds of any cars going by up above. And so he starts crying out for help. No response whatsoever. So then he says, God, are you there? And the Lord answers this voice, says, yes, son, I'm here. He said, well, Lord, would you help me? He said, yes, son, I will. Let go of the limb. Anybody else out there? <laughs> And that is about the way it comes out, isn't it? We will know many times we'll be in a bad spot. We'll know where we are. We'll know uh, what we need to do. And we're so scared to do what he has called us to do that we can't do it. And so sad to say, many people look to other things and other people instead of just obeying God. Last anecdote that goes along with this is I was watching a movie the other night and the hero and the heroine were uh, in a construction zone and uh, the bad guys were after them and they were cornered up about four stories up in this construction site and the bad guys were just getting ready to break through the door and shoot them and there's nowhere for them to go except that they're looking down uh, just over in a chasm inside this huge building. And the hero says to the heroine, do you trust me? And the heroine says, do I have a choice? And then he says, okay, jump. And so they both jump blindly into this chasm and they, you couldn't see it, but at the very bottom, there was a net stretched out there to catch the debris that had been falling so that uh, uh, they wound up being caught in a safety net like a trapeze artist falling off of a trapeze and they were okay. But she couldn't see what was ahead. 
She had to blindly trust him with her very life. And this, I'm just going to wrap it up with this. This is what it's all about. This is it. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes the way that God uh, tells us to do things just doesn't seem like the right way at all. But it's the only way that we will know his life and his presence and his power in our lives. And so I just uh, encourage you that if uh, you have uh, maybe maybe your faith has been getting low, maybe you've been going through some things that are tough and maybe you've started doubting God. He's saying, instead of doubting me, trust me, trust me. And moment by moment, day by day, do those things that he's put before you to do. Be it forgiveness, be it giving, whatever it might be, do what you know he is calling you to do. And he doesn't call everybody to be a preacher. He calls most of us to bloom where we're planted and be obedient where we are. And as we do so, we will find our unbelief will be moved out of the way and our faith can grow and become a great tree. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.